0: Welcome to another edition of Dual Candle Radio with Lenora Sarver. We have an amazing show today. Really could have been a two episode show, but we're going to squeeze it all into 1 hour. Stay tuned in. Be right back. Welcome back. Today's show is going to be called Social Media versus God. Mm. Yeah, we've got some digging to do, and also, by the end of this show, you're going to find out what kind of balance you have with God, with your life, and with your social media use. This is very real, and it needs to be addressed. So let's take a look. I want you to ask yourself a couple questions real fast. Do you feel you have a healthy balance with your social media use? I want you to really think about this, your day-to-day social media use. Do you feel like you're on there all the time or you have to hurry up and get back on there? Do you feel like you have so much stuff to do on there, but then everything around you in your life piles up? Is this you or am I talking about someone else? I hope I'm talking about someone else. But what about this question? What is a healthy balance of social media use? Is it an hour a day? Is it a couple? Is just getting on there a couple times a week? How are you balancing being on social media? Because there's many that I've noticed, including myself at times, that you're on there day and night. And it could be a number of things. You could not have, you know, any connections near you. You could not have no friends. You could be lonely or whatever the case may be. Or you could be one of those that has to be constantly stimulated mentally. Only you can answer those questions. But they are real. They are valid. But a good healthy balance would be about an hour a day. That way you still have time to make connections with the people in your life that you can actually talk to in person. You know, I actually have family members where they couldn't wait to see me. So I go over to their house and they're all sitting on Facebook, messaging back and forth. I'm like, well, I drove all the way over here just to watch you guys sit on Facebook. I could have stayed at home. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. But then I had to remind them, you guys wanted to see me. You haven't seen me in forever. So I make a point, I come over here, to fellowship and sit with you and have dinner and talk about things. And all I'm doing is watching you on your phone. That's kind of not what I had in mind. And I don't know about any of the rest of you, whether you would have had the same thing in mind or not. Because our genuine idea of being connected to people is actually sitting down face to face, talking to them with our phones aside and enjoying the real human connection folks this is what we got to get back to so let me ask you one more question though before i move on and this is a very big indicator how many times have you gone to pick up your phone and do something like pull up your calculator check an email see who just called or you know see what time it is set your alarm whatever And you ended up on social media instead and then you had to stop yourself like wait a minute what was I even picking up my phone for it's like your your mind just totally blanked out and you can't remember exactly but you ended up on social media pay attention that is a mental pull pay attention because whenever you go to pick up your phone there should be a clear-cut idea this is what I need this device for for this moment not to get sidetracked with all the apps or the notifications or the phone calls the texts, etc., and land on social media. Take the reins back. I challenge you. You know, if we think back, I mean, there's good things to consider and then there's also negative things to consider. And I'm going to go over quite a few of them in tonight's show, try to keep it under hour. I really could have did a two part show, but wish me luck. You know, there was a time during the pandemic where social media was extremely useful, but now it's changed. During that time, we were shut in our homes. We had to work from home. We had to deliver food. You know, we could only go out for like the basic necessities and we were seriously detached. You know, that's even the same scenario today for elderly people. They can't always get out. They can't drive or, you know, whatever the case may be that's inhibiting them and keeping them inside. So their only real contact is through a social media platform of some sort. But folks, we are not in the pandemic anymore. And these elderly people who don't have any connections, the families, the churches, should step up and go and sit with them. Do you know that is some of the loneliest people is those where they've grown older, the kids have started their lives and and people just kind of fade away the older you get and they just feel, Oh, they're okay. I'll call them next week when they need your attention now, not next week. You don't have a promise that they're going to be here next week give them what they need. And yeah, you can go on social media to see if they posted. <laughs> I actually have, you know, family members that make sure I'm still alive. And they do that by going on my social media profiles to see if I posted that day or the day before. Then they know, oh, okay, she's alive, that's all I need to know. Well, how about picking up the phone? Or should I pick up the phone? Because it's more than just, oh, she's alive. It's, how are you? And meaning it. <laughs> Spending quality time. Do you understand that whenever people spend quality time, there's things that are released in the body that helps with healing, it improves mood, it improves the overall morale of the individual. That you're not going to get that online. Because it's like a synthetic love. It's not the real deal. So, if you have elders, if you have other, other people who kind of feel alienated, because they're not going to tell you, okay? This is something you just got to spot, identify, and move in and just be there on their behalf. Be available. Do you understand how unavailable you look when you're on your phone talking or you're on your headphones? You know, people feel like, oh, I can't talk to them right now. They're busy. But then you have some people who hide behind that, and that's just to repel people so they can go off into their own world and do what they want to do without the constant demands and distractions of the people around them. I mean, you have a variety of reasons of why people do what they do but bottom line is no matter what the social media platform is no matter what the electronic messaging form is it does not replace being in front of that person in the flesh talking with them spending time with them a lot of people feel like well okay well I messaged mom so I think that will be good enough no why don't you go see mom that's even better. you know how they just make their day and just brighten them up, but we never see that other side until we get to where they are, and then by then, it may be too late in some some instances. But we need, as a people to reconnect with each other, and I don't mean just digitally or electronically. I mean reconnect in person. You might be able to send a hug emoji but it doesn't replace the beauty of the actual hug. There is healing within a hug. Believe it or not it releases endorphins and you know, all this other stuff. All these other chemical reactions take place whenever two people are giving each other a loving hug. You cannot replace that. You cannot imitate it. You cannot counterfeit it. Unless you have agreed personally to settle for less and go with that digital hug. But I tell you, nothing is better than a genuine hug. In real life. <laughs> I can't even stress that enough. But you know, let's, let's look back in history a little bit, because all this came from somewhere, but I don't even know if anybody knows where. All they know is, oh, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, oh there's Instagram. Well, I'm gonna log on. I don't care how it evolved. Here we are. Well, it might behoove you to take a moment and actually realize where all this came from and how you are willingly contributing and even giving away some of your rights. It's kind of hard to complain about violation whenever you're willingly putting things about you that only you know on a network that you barely trust, let alone know how they started. So let's take a look. I'm going to be referencing from a few articles here. What was the original design of social media? I mean the absolute original design? Well it was connecting people worldwide. It seems simple seems harmless. I'd love to talk to somebody the other side of the world and see what their life and culture is like. Possibly. If that is even your interest but let's look at a 2019 Pew Research Center study. And it said 72 of American adults, 72% of American adults use some form of social media. But in 2005, the year after FB went live, that number was 5%. So we're looking at 2005, 2019, over 10 years, went from 5% to 72% of American adults. What is that saying for our communities? What is that saying for our just human race in general? Did we forget that we can go to each other's homes or meet each other for lunch or actually talk in person? No one of the things from the pandemic that the people have not been able to break away from, and that is your personal space, your personal comfort. If you have your, the food that you like or the drinks you like, everything's right there that you need. Everybody has dumbed down for comfort. Huh. And if you think of, the, you know, the actual walk with God, <laughs> he doesn't leave you comfortable for very long. He doesn't want you getting comfortable or plateauing out on anything. He wants you constantly growing, evolving, and being formed on the potter's wheel daily. Because his ultimate goal is to better you and make you ready for heaven. And carving off some rough edges and whatever else you've got going on which is normal. We all have those. But that's a big jump. 72% of American adults. Huh. Wow. Where are our minds, folks? Do we even have our minds anymore? Or are we disconnected from ourselves? Get reconnected. But according to a Marysville University study, in a sense social media began on May 24, 1844, (laughs) with a series of electronic dots and dashes tapped out by hand on a telegraph machine. First electronic message from Baltimore to Washington, D.C. proved Samuel Morse understood the historic ramifications of his scientific achievement. What hath God wrought, he wrote. and that became the morse code which i actually have the entire morse code uh, alphabet numbers short long all that written in my journals for a quick hint this will be in use as christians are drove underground in the future borner but you see Most contemporary accounts today point back to the Advanced Research Projects Agency Network in 1969. The early digital network was created by the United States Department of Defense, allowing scientists at four interconnected universities to share software, hardware, and other data. But we're not going to specify what data, just other data. In 1987, a precursor to today's internet when the national science foundation launched a more robust and nationwide digital network called NSFnet or NSFNET 1997 actually launched the first true social media platforms for all of the people to use. I don't know if you remember AOL, the first MySpace, which was you know bought out by Justin Timberlake. Um, all these beginning platforms. And I don't know about you, but I remember the dial-up music. Yes, I called it music. Because at the time, it was music to my ears. I was getting ready to log on to the internet. It was the funnest thing ever. You had all this information at your fingertips. Everything was just awesome and I was immediately just pulled right in because I wanted information I wanted wisdom my brain was hungry and I would stay up for hours and hours just surfing and learning and reading and you know I was good I was happy but it's came so far since that original dial-up tone and logging on to AOL Welcome! You've got mail. I don't even think it's in existence anymore, personally. Because we've evolved so much. And it's not even done yet. But, if you would like to stay on top of more fun facts about the history of social networking on technology news, follow the site Digital Trends. That'll keep you up to date and kind of Tell you where it all began. But you see, with every good thing that people try to make, they try to bring forth, always comes with challenges. It always comes with hurdles. It's like, it's difficult to connect all people. But why? You'd think everybody wanted to be connected, you'd think everybody'd want to meet everybody and be happy. And you know, profess their love for Jesus, and you know, whatever else might come to mind. You'd think. But I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back, and we're going to talk about the not-so- nice things, but we're still going to keep it balanced. Be right back. All right, welcome back to finish out this show. Now, according to the Havard business review, there's quite a few things that we have to look at here. Um, what are the downsides of excessive social media use or just social media use in general? You know, the actual Social media itself is not a bad thing. How we handle it is what makes it bad or what makes it good. And whenever we are keeping our perspectives and our priorities in line, then we can come to that balance to where we're not putting anything before God. And we're fully aware, we fully realize who we are every day who God needs us to be. And he's still first. Yet, that's not always the case. So according to the business review, we've gone from connecting local people to facilitating global connections. Now, global connections do not always hold the same morals or values as we do here in the States. We have users, with dangerous interests that can easily connect and reinforce those interests even to today. So this review, I didn't write down the date of when it, it was published, I probably should have. But one of the things they were talking about was violating individual privacy, bullying small businesses or companies as a monopoly damaging teens' mental health, inciting violent insurrections. Hmm. So you can't always get people together and expect good results. You can't mix the bad with the good and expect something good. It doesn't work like that. If you're mixing bad with the good, more than likely, to an extent, the bad will overpower the good. Unless the good is firmly footed in their desires, interests, and core essentials to character and integrity. But, how can we spot that just by looking at someone's profile? Because anybody can get on social media and and act like they're a god. Okay? Be worshipped and everything else. And you'd think, because of that attention, they are someone of value and substance. When if you look at the basic influencer, uh, when you meet them, they're still getting rides. They might have a coach bag, but they're still getting rides from here to there. Not all influencers have the value and substance that is worthy of the attention they're receiving. So you're in for a huge disappointment when you meet some of them, not all of them. Because there are some of them that are doing great things. They've, they're really making it up the ladder. They're making their point. They're, they're creating an image. They're doing whatever. But, how can you tell the difference online? Anybody can look like they have it all together. But when you actually meet them, it's the opposite. And there's really no way of telling. I mean, you can always go into prayer and ask God he'll reveal what according to his will but this is a lot and it even says inciting violent insurrections you know let's take a look at what sort of violent insurrection that they could be referring to you know users with dangerous interest can easily connect and reinforce those interests Okay? So say even a multi-level marketing scheme to coordinate events like what we had on January sixth, twenty-first, twenty-one, the attack on the US Capitol. This was actually organized across many social media networks. And the fires from this was stoked by online communities of people drawn like a moth to a streetlight, folks, to conspiracy theories about election fraud. Now, one of the basis of this show is to debunk a lot of the conspiracy theories because if you sit and listen to some of the stuff these people say, they don't have a leg to stand on. They don't have a firm foundation to really say, hey, I know all this for a fact. It's all speculation. You can't even classify it as philosophy because it doesn't even have a lot of the brains to back that up either. So it's like, hmm, you really got to take it with a grain of salt. Go and do the research for yourself before you buy into these conspiracy theories. Yes, that is true. And then there's some that are so bizarre and they put it in the form of prophecy or end time events or what's coming next. And I have all the proof and they don't have anything but a bunch of talk and a bunch of deception being swayed over the people. And a lot of the followers, they're just a follower. They don't verify why they're following. They just follow because they are followers. Well, break away from that. Okay. You can be the sheep. That's great. But don't be the sheep intended for the slaughter every day willingly. There's a difference. So we have, this is an older news story, VentureBeat, it was written May fifteenth, two 2014, and it says from October 2010 is when the NSA and FBI made FB the perfect mass surveillance tool. Two agencies developed techniques for exploiting chats, capturing private photos, collecting IP addresses, and private profile data. According to the slides, now if you go on their website, they actually have slides of what their game plan was. So you'll see like little pictures of goals and benefits, etc. Um, their goal was to capture a very rich source of information on targets, including personal details, patterns of life, connections to associated or to associates and media. Now, later on, Mark disapproved. And he says, well, I knew I had security measures in place, but I didn't know I had to secure it from our government. So basically, they were going through all the loopholes, exploiting and capturing all this stuff that Facebook had set up. Hmm. Well, I think if we look back, we can kind of see what happened with that. But if you really think about this, say you work for the FBI. say. You know you work for the NSA. This is perfect. Perfect. If you ever wanted to capture someone, do you know how much of a creature of habit we are? We tend to do the same thing every day. Keeps us in line. Keeps our bodies on a certain internal time clock. You know there's all these benefits of doing the same thing every day. Also, it's beneficial to other people who need to know about us or would like to figure out what we're going to do next and uh, where we're at, folks. If you were online during this time, because I know I was, then we, yes, we willingly gave them this information. You know, many people just go online and, hey, I just did this, or hey, I'm getting ready to do this, or da. da, da." but we're happy about it. We're exuberant to be able to tell somebody, hey, I had the funnest time. Hmm, well, they find it interesting too, didn't you know? So, we could circle back around and say, all we have to blame is ourselves here, but not necessarily. It takes two to tango, folks. Keep that in mind. But you see, after all this, it's like anything else in this world. Everything starts out as a beautiful, fun-filled, pure-intention activity. And then you always have those that come along that distort it, that just blemish it, that just ruin it. And through all this, I mean, I can definitely say Facebook did a good job at recovery. But there's still some things happening to people. Just saying. Do your research. But aside from all this, because we went over the history, where social media came from. What's God think? Has anybody thought about that? I mean, we have no problems getting on there talking about God. That's great. But where is God in our hearts at that moment? Are we using God to get followers, to be worshipped, to become idols? Are we on there professing our love to God, but when it comes time for prayer, oh, well, I have something else to do hmm, where are we at? Where are you at? This is something you have to figure out. You're going to have to come to a healthy balance here. When you wake up in the morning, do you reach for your phone to see what notification, who liked your post or who liked your picture, etc.? Or do you say, good morning, God. Thank you for another day. And you'll have some people, well, I do say good morning, God. And then I reach for my phone. <laughs> okay. If you really want to get your armor on. I mean, really want to get your armor for God on to be prepared for your day. Put your phone down. Get up. Good morning, Lord. I love you. Let me get into the word. And get my armor on get into my devotions and get into my prayer and then move on. And if you have time for social media, whatever, go on there. But God needs you to prioritize him. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't feel like God has a problem with me staying on social media all the time. You know, I, I go to church on Sunday. That should be good. Really? Really? Okay, so whenever you get to heaven, do you think you're only going to see heaven every Sunday? Well, where are you supposed to be the rest of the six days? Hmm. As if it's going to be measured by weeks and days and months according to how we have set up this world as the human race. No. You look in Revelations, you find out what the elders did. Hey, this is what we're going to be doing, not when we make time. Because once you get there, trust me, after all the hell that we have gone through on this planet, and you finally make it through the gates of heaven, it's going to be love, it's going to be thankfulness, it's going to be gratitude, it's going to be Genuine worship. Not none uh, of this. See a Sunday. And the actual Sabbath is Saturday, by the way. Figured I'd throw that in there. But only you. And, you know, I, I cannot stress this part enough. Because I am not there, I am not twisting your ears, I'm not, you know, lifting your hand up, making you do stuff. I cannot. Nor would I want to. Good grief. <laughs> That's all you. You got you. But how do we know? Well. I hope you're ready for this this can become a form of idolatry. No, it's not a molten image that you can set in front of you, but as soon as you pick up your phone, you can look at it. Hmm. No, it's not made of wood, but I'm sure you can see a few fresh-made wooden gods being carried through the floodwaters because, oh, well, they can't save themselves. Hmm. Ah, But it's on there. Huh. Folks, what is idolatry? Well, let's just look at the basic definition of what idolatry is. It says extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. Hmm. Okay. Well, what if you kind of enjoy that for yourself? <gasps> oh, I have one. Hundred and forty-three million followers. Hmm. Do you desire to be worshipped? No, I'm not hating on how many followers you have. Well if it's more of me or less of me. It's the point. Is God first. In your heart. Not on your social media profile. In your heart. Is he first? Because you can go on there and talk to those 143 million all you want. But if God is first, it's going to show. Because 143 million will be waiting until you and God get finished. If he is properly prioritized. The how can I, how can I, a simple show host on Anchor FM, Tell all these people on social media, you could be dealing with idolatry. How could I rightfully say that whenever I was on social media all the time? Well, God had to pull me away. So I can properly disconnect and reconnect. And then get all my ducks in a row and prioritize what is first and foremost. And it is not social media. It is Jesus It is God, first and foremost. And whether you be in Judaism, whether you be in Christianity, idolatry was a no-no in both of them, the Old Testament and the New. This is real. But we got to figure out a balance. Learn it. Manage it. Discipline yourself so you can keep control over what comes first in your life every day. Because everything that we're dealing with right now in this life is temporary. It is a counterfeit image of the real deal. We aren't even getting the real deal here. And like i said in other shows, this, this is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity and everything else that is waiting for us. Once we get through this trial period, that's what I call life, a trial period for your spiritual existence, choose where you will go. We could go to heaven, where you'd be going to hell or shill. choose now whom you will serve. It's not hard. The hardest thing ever is maintaining the choice after we've chosen. It's like trying to buy a house. You know, you may have got your credit established, you've got all your money in a in row, everything's you know set up to where you're ready to go. It's easy to get that house. But can you maintain the same stance after you get it? Do you have that same fire, that same dedication? Do you have the same priority levels? Hmm. Just like with the Lord. It's somewhat easy to repent and receive salvation and say, you are going to be the Lord over my life. But then two weeks later, who is the Lord over your life? Is it still Jesus? This is real, folks. I cannot stress how real this is. So, let's take a look. I'm going to read in some uh, scripture. And basically... What this part of scripture is for is for us to understand how serious God is about keeping Him first, and then also how ridiculous we look by putting anything else before Him or worshiping idols. You know, I never understood that. You have access to God, you have access to Jesus, but I know that some people their understanding will not be open enough to answer my question because they are darkened. Will it be willfully or until they finally realize Jesus is the one? Their understanding is going to remain darkened until then. And this is what i got to keep reminding myself. I'm like, okay, tell me how to word it then, Lord, because uh, we're going to look in Isaiah chapter 44. We're going to start with verse 9. It says, They that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit. And they are their own witnesses, they see not, nor know that they may be ashamed. Who hath formed a God, a molten or graven image, that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his fellows shall be ashamed, and the workmen, they are of men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up, yet they shall fear, and they shall be ashamed together. The smith with the tongs both worketh in the coals, and fashioneth it with hammers, and worketh it with the strength of his arms. Yea, he is hungry, and his strength faileth. He drinketh no water, and is faint. The carpenter stretches out his rule. He marketh it out with a line. He fitteth it with planes, and he marketh it out with the compass and maketh it after the figure of a man, according to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in the house. He heweth down cedars, and taketh the cypress and the oak, which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash, and the rain doth nourish it, then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof, and warm himself, yea, he kindleth it, and baketh bread, yea, he maketh a god, and worshipeth it. He maketh it a graven image, and falleth down thereto. He burneth part thereof in the fire, with part thereof he eateth flesh, he roasteth roast. And is satisfied, yea, he warmeth himself, and saith, Aha, I am warm, I have seen the fire. And the residue thereof he maketh a god, even his graven image. He falleth down unto it, and worshipeth it, and prayeth unto it, and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my god. They have not known nor understood, for he hath shut their eyes, that they cannot see, and their hearts that they cannot understand. And none considereth in his heart, neither is there knowledge, nor understanding, to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I have baked bread upon the coals thereof. I have roasted flesh and eaten it. And shall I make the residue thereof an abomination? Shall I fall down to the stalk of a tree? He feedeth on ashes. A deceived heart hath turned him aside, that he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Remember these, O Jacob and Israel. For thou art my servant, I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Thou shalt not be forgotten of me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud my transgressions, thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Sing, O ye heavens. For the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forests, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. People might argue and say, well, I haven't made a molten image. I haven't carved out a wooden piece and called it a God. Well, I haven't created a statue and fell down prostrate worshiping that. Folks, whatever takes first place in our life and our time and our priorities and it's not God is a form of idolatry. So this is why I can't stress enough. And uh, I'm going to have, you know, some people come up and say, you know, you can't relate that to that. I can't speak for everybody else. All I can do is speak and say what God tells me to. And if you feel like none of this applies to you, well then tune in to another radio show. You have that right. For those of you who do see parts of themselves in this, just like I have, may you find the balance. See, I'm not saying social media is a bad thing. It's not. It's how we let it control us, how much we put out there about ourselves, and how we handle our time. Now, if we're on social media praising God all day, we haven't lifted up the first prayer. Really? Really? What is that called? If we're on social media praising God all day, we haven't attended the first church, or even showed the same love and praise in our active physical life that is outside of the digital online world? These are all things that we need to address that only we can hash out in our own lives. You know, you can call all these prophets, but if you are not doing the work yourself in this manner, a prophet can pray for you all day long, but if you still have not showed God in your hearts, in your minds, that He is first. Then you tell me what's going on. I think it's pretty clear. Now, I challenge you. If you can, I challenge you. Take a full 90-day break from all social media to see for yourself where you are. Does that tell you? I took that break. And I was amazed at how much of a mental pull and control it had on my mind, on my just overall character. I was actually noticing signs of detachment. Almost like a withdrawal. Yeah. Social media can become an addiction where you have to go on there. You have to see what's going on. You can't miss a day. You can't miss a moment. Oh my God, so-and-so posted. What'd they say? You know the sad fact? Is if we don't take a hold of ourselves now. If we don't grab back the reins of our minds and hand them back over to God. There's no telling. But it's not healthy. Because a sad fact is all the people you meet on there, you may never meet in real life. And you can refer, hey, I've got this friend of nine years, but they've only been online. Hmm. Have you ever went out to lunch with them? No, I've never met them. Come on, folks. God designed us to work and fit together as the body of Christ. Okay, if we're in situations like a pandemic and all we have is social media, fine. If you're in a hospital bed and you have a horrible illness that is highly contagious, and all you have to the outside world is your social media, fine. But if you are perfectly healthy, nothing wrong with you, and you cannot put down the phone or step away from the social media, you may have an addiction to it. It's like anything else. We have access to this, but not everything is beneficial. And yes, we have free will, but is not free from the consequences from poor choices. But you have the ability to do what your free will determines. And God always puts out before you, "Hey, this is what's going on. This is what I need from you." Ta-da." That's if we take the time to apply ourselves and actually get into the written word instead of, well, my pastor said, well, my friend, they research it. No, you get into the word. See for yourself. That action alone is extremely powerful. This is why you have so many distractions, so many sidetrack moments, so many... Just things happening right as you go to pick up your Bible. <laughs> because the devil knows how powerful this book is. And if he can keep you from it, then he can keep you in a form of bondage no matter what form that comes in. He can keep you deceived no matter what form the deception comes in. But it's going to take you. Taking a stand for yourself and saying, look, I have this soul right here that I've dedicated to Jesus Christ and made him my Lord and Savior. I have to give an account, all of us, individually, on the day of the Lord. Can we say we kept God first? Recognize what's happening, folks. Like I said, there's, you know, social media itself is not the bad thing. It's how we handle it. And may we handle it to where it glorifies God versus any other personal game. We have a powerful tool. But I tell you, it looks better it looks more promising and it looks more productive than it actually is but if you circle back around it is a dead pool because you're casting all these pearls out to the people every day that god's giving you you could be putting in a book you could be writing articles and other websites you could be writing for a newspaper you could be doing a column you could be doing something else to where the work is going to last and not just fade away with the algorithms of an online social media network, you and only you has the power to take back you through the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those of you who actually know somebody who might benefit from this you know i 'm touching on some pretty hard spots on this, so not everybody is going to be. Oh, happy-go-lucky, especially if I'm doing jumping jacks on their nerves when it comes to this. But these are straight, clear-cut, black-and-white situations that we all deal with. All of us. So, another good question you could ask yourself to see where you're at. As you have five minutes and two choices on what to spend that five minutes doing, you can actually take that five minutes, search online, surf social media, or spend it in prayer. What would you choose, prayer or social media? If you pick social media, you may want to look deeper. Because something else has got the reins of your mind and may not be you. Hey, who knows? You could be a strong-willed person and know how to take the reins back any second. You don't know that until you try. How much power you have to do so. But if you picked, I would pray, you're right where you need to be. Because trust me. None of this social media is going to be in heaven. And if you haven't learned anything else in this walk, you got to get prepared to be in heaven. We say we want Jesus, Hmm. but the real question is what does Jesus mean to you? And is that the same meaning that's in scripture? I know I had a lot of questions today, but this is so you can look inside. We are in pruning season now. There are many of you who are praying and you're asking for God to bless your crops, to bless your your ministry, bless your next move, bless all these things. Now is the time to prune and make room for those blessings. Choose your time wisely. Keep a hold of yourself and your mind because that's all yours. And keep God first. And as usual, it is always a blessing to serve as a labor of love, to bring a message into your homes every week. And Lord willing, I will see you next week. God bless you, and have a great day.